Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. This can be really, really scary if you are in a relationship with a narcissist. They will have a tantrum because they don't want you to set those boundaries. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Let's talk about the only ways to make a narcissist respect you. Okay, so to understand how a narcissist is gonna respect you, you have to understand the concept of narcissistic supply. It's exactly the only thing that drives them, that feeds them. It's like heroin to them. It's like a drug to a drug addict. They can never get enough. It's a black hole, but... One of the things that you have to understand is this is a concept I've kind of figured out by dealing with them myself and also studying this a lot. And that is that there's a hierarchy of narcissistic supply. So there's like the grade A diamond level supply. And then there's what I call the coal level supply. It it burns, it gives them energy, but it doesn't, you know, it's it's not as good as the the diamond level supply. The diamond level supply, they'll do whatever they need to to protect, maintain, defend. It's like they have this like unspoken constitution to like protect it like as if, if it's their country or something, right? I mean, they're very patriotic to themselves. They will do whatever they need to to protect grade A supply, which is Things like image, how they look, you know, how they look to people they respect, how they look to maybe new sources of supply, something like that. So the best way to get them to respect you is tied up in that concept of narcissistic supply. And you're going to see what I mean here in just a minute. So six ways to get them to respect you. Listen to the end because I'm going to give you the best one last, of course. All right, so number six, and then we'll go up to number one. Number six is you need to stay a bit distant from them because if you get so close to them that they know your weaknesses, that they know that they have you, that they have some level of control over you, then they won't respect you as much because they're testing you constantly and even you know at the beginning they're constantly testing you and by the way i have a whole video on this and why narcissists test their victims you should definitely check that out but in the beginning they're they're testing you to see if you're going to be a good source of supply so stay a little bit distant from them if you can sometimes they're hard to spot early on especially if they're covert so but just remember if the little hairs on the back of your neck are sticking up and you feel it in your gut probably you should listen to that. All right, so that's number six. Number five is to stay independent, stay independent financially, stay independent emotionally. If you can kind of stay in a place where you don't need to be with them, you're not hanging on them 
for everything, then you will be better off. In fact, I was just talking to somebody this week that was saying that they're in a relationship with a person who is trying to get out of a relationship with a narcissist. And that person has been completely supported by this guy, has doesn't have any skills, hasn't been able to work for a long time. And so now she's going to have to try to figure out how to get some skills, how to get out into the workplace and how to start making money for herself. And if you stay financially independent, if you stay emotionally independent, they will respect you more. They will tread a bit lightly for you on that, right? So that's number five. Number four, we are making our way up to number one here. So stay tuned with me. All right, number four is to continue to have something of value that they want. So whether it's prestige, whether it's that you have a certain amount of influence, if you are a name of some sort, maybe you're a celebrity, maybe you are high up in a corporation, maybe you are an influencer of some sort that they very much respect, they very much want to be attached to, they will continue to respect you because they love the optics of being your friend or hanging out with you or that you could potentially, you know, give them more supply in that way. I mean, if they're continuing to get supply from you from that, they will continue to respect you. So number three is if you're in a position of control over them, they will definitely respect you then, such as the judge, if you're in a divorce case or a boss, or a CEO, or some, even if it's a dynamic where you're in a particular group and everyone in the group respects you more than other people, then they will respect you. They will hang back. They will not you know, use their little bag of tricks, their, their co-level supply, which is devalued, debased, degrade. And so they won't do that as much if you are in a position of control over them. There's some reason that they need to look good in front of you, that they need you to be respecting them. So that's number three. Number two, we're almost there. Number two is let them believe that you aren't onto them you know that you respect them that you value them uh, you know i talk about bartering sometimes you know like oh can you take care of this quickbooks reconciliation you're so much better with numbers than i am something like that so number 2 is not letting on that you know who they are letting them think that you are still respecting them that you're giving them that adulation that they so desperately need and so desperately crave so that's number 2 number 1 are you ready for it it's actually kind of counterintuitive but it is the truth be self assured confident, authoritative. They respect people like that. They're looking for people that they can control, that they can get supply from. And if you're not that person, then they will respect you more. And by the way, when you start shifting the dynamic in the negotiations, instead of being afraid of what the backlash is going to be, understand that they will start to panic. And that's a good thing. You want them to do that because that's how you're going to start to shift the dynamic and you're going to start to shift the balance of power in that negotiation. All right, let's talk narcissists. Let's talk about the 
five ways to command respect from a narcissist. And I'm going to work backwards from number five all the way up to number one. How can you command respect from a narcissist? A lot of people think narcissists don't respect anybody, right? That's not true. They do respect some people. Number five, the number five thing that they respect is confidence and and people who are self-assured. I say all the time, they don't attach themselves to you initially because you have so little value. They actually attach themselves to you because you have so much value. They like to see people who are super confident and who are super assured. And then once they do attach themselves to you, it actually gives them a feeling of more power to devalue and break down somebody who is confident, who is self-assured, because that makes them feel more powerful, by the way. The more confident you are, the more self-assured you are, the more they do respect you. So if you are that way, they will respect you more. They will command a a sense of respect from them. And I do have a whole video called This is the Only Way to get respect from a narcissist. And I do talk more specifically and more pointedly on some of this. And you you might want to check out that video as well. So number four is keep emotionally distanced from them. Now, this is more difficult if you're already in a relationship with them. This is where you're going to want to start to emotionally distance from them. If you're already in a romantic relationship with them, if you're already in a business relationship with them, if you're already emotionally close to them, this is where you're going to start to decondition yourself. I don't know if that's even a word, but you're going to start to kind of pull back. You're going to start to put those boundaries in, in place. You're going to start to move in a different direction it, or even just stop the conditioning. I kind of, in my mind, start thinking of it as writing the ship, moving it in a different direction, kind of turning it around so that you're not constantly on the defensive all the time. You're going to start to be on the offensive. You're going to start to show them that, hey, there's a new game in town. That This is not how it's going to go anymore. That you are taking control of yourself and your life and that you're no longer allowing them to have this power over you. And so you're going to start to be emotionally distanced from them. Your soul is no longer going to allow it anymore. And you know, it starts kind of with these little whispers. Your soul starts to say, um, excuse me, mm, no, this is not okay. And you start to sort of start to feel it. You know, your gut is telling you this is not working for you. You know, if you want more help on how to keep your cool against narcissists, I do have a whole video on how to keep your cool against narcissists and it will definitely help you. So make sure you check that out. And I do have a whole 
playlist on self-care when it comes to narcissists, definitely check that out as well because you do need to take care of yourself if you are in a relationship with a narcissist as well. So check out that whole playlist as well. And you can stay in control. Just start with mantras. I'm in control because you are in control. Just start to believe it. Start to have that mindset that you are in control because you are, you know, they they don't have power over your soul. They don't. No one can help you if you don't believe that you can be helped. Just know that for sure. Okay. So that was number four. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. Now we're going to move on to number three. Number three way to command respect from a narcissist is to maintain your independence. So, so important. Now, if you are already in a relationship with them, Again, you know, starting to put those boundaries in place, starting to look for ways to start to create your independence. If you are not already in a relationship with a narcissist or you're starting to get into a relationship with a narcissist, this is when you're going to go, I'm keeping my independence financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically in every way that you possibly can. But if you are in a relationship with one already, this is where you're going to start to look for ways to start to have your independence. Even if it's just, I'm going for a walk today. I'm going to go take a yoga class today. I'm going to go do something just for me today, whatever it is. I'm going to read a book on my own, you know, start a gratitude journal, start doing some things for yourself, start having some self-care for yourself, whatever it is that you need to do to start having that stuff for yourself. Okay. So that's number three, maintaining your independence. You know, I love the concept of the July 4th thing, that declaration of independence. You can kind of declare your own independence, even if it's just in your own mind. 
where you're just saying to yourself, you know what, I'm declaring my independence for myself. And what does that mean to you? And you know, when I have people do my SLAY program, which stands for strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focusing on you, one of the very first parts of strategy is creating your vision. And so many times with people, it's like having this vision of what it is that they really actually want is so foreign for them because they've spent so much time, and maybe this is you, just defending yourself against narcissists. It's so many years, it's just defend, defend, defend. You just feel like you've been a turtle on your back. You've spent so much time sort of finger pointing and going, they're doing this and they're doing that. And and oh my God, and you're just like, you've been assailed so many years by this person that you almost forget. It's almost foreign to you to go, wait a minute, what is it that I want? What is my vision for myself? What is my perfect life? Or you almost feel guilty asking for it or almost feels strange to ask for it or think about what it is that you want. But if you don't think about what it is that you want, you are certainly not going to get there. You have to almost think of it as a GPS, like where is it that I wanna go? What is it that I actually want? Your GPS can't take you where you wanna go if you don't program it. You know, the, the GPS in your car doesn't know where you're going if you don't put the destination in and it's the same thing with your vision. So, you know, maintain your independence, figure out what it is that you want and then program it, okay? That's number 3. Number 2, number 2 is set those strict boundaries. Actually do it. Create boundaries, set them. It's almost like set it and forget it, right? Create them, set them. That's the the next way to really, really command respect from a narcissist. I know it's scary. This can be really, really scary if you are in a relationship with a narcissist. They will have a tantrum because they don't want you to set those boundaries. But it's sort of like a two-year-old having a tantrum on a floor. You know, when they have these parents who've been indulgent or whatever, because They think that all they have to do is scream louder, scream longer, and the parents are going to eventually give in. And that's what happens with narcissists. You know, they're essentially toddlers in adult bodies. They think that they have you conditioned to a certain extent and that you will give in eventually if they just have enough of a tantrum and act a certain way. It's sort of like terrorist tactics, right? And so they want you to be afraid of whatever that backlash is. But honestly, the truth of the matter is that if you set those strict boundaries and you stick with them, that they will eventually give in, okay? Which brings me to number one, the most important one. The one that really, really will command the most respect from a narcissist. And that is show them that you are not afraid of 
them. The narcissist is way more afraid of you than you are of them. I promise you that. And they are getting supply from jerking you around, manipulating you, and all of that. They love to see you squirm. They love to trigger you. They're getting supply from that. They get off on that. They get a high from that. They enjoy it. They love the whole thing of it. And the fact that they're able to do all of that means that they're getting somewhere with it. And if they can see that they're no longer getting supply from it, if you, if you can cut off that supply source and they get nothing more from it, then they will no longer want to be there. That's how they really, really will move on down the road. And that's how you will command the most respect from that narcissist. Hey there, I'm Rebecca Zung, and I'm an attorney, and I help people negotiate with narcissists. And if you want in narcissist respect, I'm going to give you eight ways to get it. But there are things that you've got to stop doing if you want a narcissist respect. Number one, you've got to stop doing things for them that they can easily do for themselves. You've got to stop enabling them. I know that it's hard because especially with the fear factor, if you're dealing with a narcissist, they expect things. You've been conditioned by them. It, you know, if you've been in a longer term relationship with them, they have been getting a certain amount of what we call narcissistic supply from you and they expect you to do things for them. I mean, you're kind of like sometimes like their janitor in a lot of ways. They expect you to be a certain person for them in this relationship. And even if you resent it, even if you don't want to do certain things for them, you know, they kind of have set things up in a certain way. You know, you kind of have to do certain things for them as you think. But if you enable that behavior, then they no longer respect you. You've got to stop doing things for them that they can easily do for themselves. You know, what happens with narcissists a lot of times is that everything is kind of optional for them, you know, and you don't get that. You don't get everything is optional for you, but everything is kind of optional for them. You've got to stop that if you want them to respect you. And they respect people that they have to, you know, kind of work for. You've got to stop doing things for them that they can easily do for themselves. Let them know, no, I'm not doing that anymore. You have to do that. You have the ability so stop enabling them. So that's number one. And I'm going to give you seven more. And as we work up, it's going to get even harder and harder. You're kind of like dealing with a toddler. You know how with toddlers, they have tantrums and 
They with toddlers, they have to feel like they have to scream louder, scream longer, and feel they're kind of like giving the parents sort of the side eye as they're screaming, going, mm, "Are they watching? Are they watching?" Because if they're watching, they're seeing if they're going to get that thing that they want as they have the tantrum. You know, maybe I just need to kick my legs this time. Maybe I just need to throw things this time a little bit more of a tantrum. That's what's happening. But if they don't get what they want, then they actually start to respect the parents. That's what you're doing. Okay. Stop doing things for them that they can easily do for themselves. That's number one. Number two is you've got to stop seeking validation from them. Stop putting yourself down. Stop going, oh yeah, I'm not very good at that. I know I'm not really all that smart, you know, or stop caring what they think of you. Stop looking for their opinion on things. Just go, you know what? I can do things on my own. I don't need your validation. I don't need you to believe in me. I don't need you to think that what I'm doing is a good idea. I don't need you to think that I'm smart or I'm attractive or that I I'm good at what I do. You know, a lot of times I've seen women especially want to start a business or start something new or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, whoever it is that's their significant other will say, oh, that's a stupid idea or you're not very good at that. And, you know, in fact, I actually was just having a conversation with somebody recently who just said to me that, you know, she had been an actress or something like that. And her significant other said, you know, you're not a very good actress. But, you know, here's something that's interesting. She ended up becoming a writer instead because this person said to her, you're not a very good actress. So she ended up doing writing and she ended up winning all sorts of awards because this person said that she wasn't a good actress and she ended up being an amazing writer and winning all these awards. But you know what? She 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 kind of got the better of him. But you know, she really needed to just not listen to the guy anyway because you know, here's the thing. People only treat people the way they feel about themselves and narcissists don't like themselves and that's why they treat people poorly. If somebody feels good about themselves, then they treat people well. If somebody feels poorly about themselves, then they treat people poorly, you know, so you can't take it personally. So stop seeking validation from them. Stop putting yourself down. Stop caring what narcissists think about you. They actually respect people who don't care what they think about them. Okay. So if you want the narcissist respect, stop thinking what they care about you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just 
fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash negotiate. By the way, if you're trying to negotiate with a narcissist, you know, they're, they're not going to want to negotiate or, or communicate or whatever with somebody who's like constantly putting themselves down. You know, they, they're, they're, they're going to want to try to negotiate with somebody that they respect. So the more you start laying this foundation now, better it's going to be for you as you go through this process. And by the way, I do have a free negotiation worksheet for you at crushmydeal.com, which you should definitely get. So it's, it's a free 15 page ebook and, you know, it will definitely help you. And I upload brand new videos here on this channel every single day. And you should definitely subscribe to this channel and hit that notification bell if you haven't done that already too. All right. So the other thing that you should do, the next thing, the third thing, and we've got eight things here for you, is stop trying to be someone that you're not. One of the things that scares a narcissist more than anything is authenticity because they are so fake all the time that you being an authentic person is, you know, something that really throws them off. You know, they don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to deal with authenticity, genuineness, you being who you are, you standing up for yourself, you respecting yourself, you loving yourself. Those are all qualities that they don't have. And, you know, they feel empty inside. So you being who you are, standing in your power is something that they will totally respect. So stop trying to be someone that you're not. Number four, stop making excuses for their bad behavior. Just stop doing that because you are actually ignoring their red flags then. You're actually defending their red flags when you do that. So stop making excuses for their bad behavior. Stop defending them to others. When you say things to other people like they had a bad childhood, they had a stressful week, they've had a stressful year, they are just making fun of me because that's you know a joke that we have between each other. It's okay if they put me down. You know, because that's our joke. You know, that that's not okay. Stop making excuses for their bad behavior because that doesn't make them respect you. That allows them a pass for their disrespect, their disrespectful behavior. Number five, stop trying to control them. Leave them be. You know, they're not, they're never going to be controlled. So you need to stop trying to control them. You need to control yourself. You need to leave yourself, leave them on their path. Let Don't allow them to control you, but you also need to stop trying to control them. You need to be in your path, in your world and be independent because that will allow you the the freedom to start shifting that dynamic, right? Step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step 
three, break free. That's what I say all the time, right? If you're going to start pivoting, you're going to start shifting that dynamic. You want to start being on the offensive. You want to start to slay, which is my slay methodology, strategy, leverage, anticipate, and focus on you. Then that's what you have to do. All right. All right. Number six, stop letting them manipulate you emotionally, (laughs) which is stop taking that bait. Stop taking everything they say or do personally. As I said, people who hurt people who who are hurt hurt people so when you say things like they're making me feel they make me feel bad you are making yourself out to be a victim because you are in that space of of allowing them that power to say they get to dictate how I feel and don't give them that power, okay? Number seven, stop giving them your time and your energy if they're not worth it because they're not. Don't try to change them. Don't Don't say that, you know, you can love them back to health or you can, you know, you don't need so much love. I've actually heard people say that, you know, I didn't get that much love as a child. So I don't need that much anyway. And I have all the love to give and I will be able to, to give them everything. You are going to just end up depleted. What happens with narcissists is they have this black hole inside of them. It can never be filled. They're like starving, gasping for breath, desperate for air. It's scarcity mentality to the extreme. And they're in survival mode all the time. And, and, they have this black hole that can never be filled and and they want you to fill it. And while you might want to fill it too, it can never be filled. And so you're left feeling totally and utterly depleted, yet they're still starving. And so you're just exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And they're just like, energy vampires, soul vampires, and it's not worth it. You'll never, ever, ever be able to satisfy that. And you'll never, ever, ever have your needs met ever. And you're so much worth so much more than that. And your soul knows it too. And it's in there screaming to get out. So number eight is if you really want a narcissist respect, this is going to be the hardest thing to do, the hardest thing to do, but it's the most important. This is the most important step. You've got to walk away and never look back. This is the one thing you are so committed to spiritual growth more than most people that I know. You're so committed to personal development. You're so committed to change. You're so committed to um, other people's personal development mm-hmm. and change. And you're one of the, and I said this in your intro, you're one of the most abundant thinkers that I know, meaning you, and I really, really try to be this way too with my friends and the people in my world. I, you know, I'm so thrilled for my friends and I really try to support my friends. And I I love that about you. So I, I want to know, you know, tell me 
how this evolved for you. And, and especially knowing that you've dealt with, well, I mean, I know we don't have you know, this is running a little longer than uh, many of my podcasts, but, you know, if you could tell us a little bit more about your journey in dealing with, uh, you know, toxic narcissists in your life and then your commitment to spiritual growth and change. Yeah, I think what I realized was this idea that I have to keep giving so much of myself in order to feel worthy and that I belonged and that every success that I would have um, would mean that I'd have to double down to be more successful the next year, right? I have to excel. I have to get better numbers, better returns. And then I brought in um, investors and I felt obligated to, to make sure I showed up. And so I don't know, I would say 50% of it comes from some very interesting personalities and 50% of it comes from my own talk track that is not gentle and kind or wasn't. And I got to a place where I thought, you know, if this is this, the word success is such a powerful word. And I got, you know, Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year for Los Angeles. And then I was asked to go compete at nationals. And of all the entrepreneurs that were winning locally, I was one of four selected to go nationally. And you have to imagine when I accepted my award, I was the only woman on stage with 22 other uh, candidate participants, all male. So I think I just kept looking around thinking, okay, I feel weird. I know I feel weird inside. I feel a little awkward outside. Um, And I I have to keep going. I have to run and push hard to continue to perform to prove that I'm here for the right reasons and that I can be successful. So hitting bottom in 2017 for me was after having unwound a you know marriage relationship which I wouldn't call a marriage in the traditional sense it was more of a friendship co-parenting cohabitation relationship but because I had built a company that was almost 100 million in revenue at that point And I had had a prenup, but that didn't matter because there are lots of LA lawyers willing to take the outspouse on as the the client when they have a high net worth in-spouse supporter, even if there's a prenup. So that was a whole Harvard Business School lesson on high net worth divorce and what it means to go through that. Do not recommend. Yeah. I've been there. I mean, not, not, uh, you know, from a personal standpoint, from a, you know, as a represented in, you know, divorces many times. Mm. Do not recommend. And divorce is difficult for kids and all of those things. Um, And LA is a special place for high net worth divorces because it means they take trash out of your trash bin. They follow you around and photograph you. They put things on the internet and um, it's like next level. So that was traumatizing, I would say. And that was the year that I thought, gosh, you know, how can you let someone like this into your life? How how did you even allow someone like this to come in who has been now under the hood and has such a personal connection to you that you even have children together, even though there was an, an agreement and a way 
in which we were going to be raising our kids. And I thought we had an understanding. Lots of things change when money's made. So that was my first like, wow, unpack how this even got to this place. And then part two of that was the business relationship with my business partner and realizing that we had outgrown each other and that there was really the need to to sell the company. But without a buy-sell agreement in place, you know, that took about 18 months uh, for us to figure out and was quite a challenging period of time. So again, asking myself the question, how did I let this person into my life with this type of dynamic? And I think it all, all roads lead back to me or all re- roads lead back to you, meaning it is absolutely incumbent upon me to open up and take a look at what do I allow? Who do I allow in my life? And how do I allow myself to be treated that allows this behavior to be the outcome? And so I very much take responsibility for taking a look under the hood and saying, if you want different results, what do you got to do? You have to have a different approach because the definition of insanity is, right? And so for me, it was very much instead of pointing outward and looking outward and blaming outward, uh, it was a multi, multi million dollar experience that I had of outflows that I had to compensate for those decisions through financial decisions that ended up being, you know, uh, settlements, et cetera. But I would say that was nothing compared to the inner work of figuring out how do I want to move forward in my world and my life. And spirituality was a very important component to getting clarity for myself about how I was going to move forward in my life and what tools I was going to utilize to ask myself the question. Every time something happens that I don't like, I have to look in the mirror and ask myself, what have I allowed? What weeds have been growing in my garden that I have ignored because I don't want to pick weeds. I want to go play or I want to go do other things. What weeds have I allowed to grow in my garden that have now overgrown the garden and now the tomato plants are dead and I have to go in and ex- excavate. Yeah. I I mean, I, I like that because, and so many people are going to go, well, what about the other person? You know, and I, and the reason why I love the approach of what you're saying and I want people to hear out what I'm saying is because when you take responsibility, it also means that you have control. The flip side of that is that you're now saying, I have control of my life. The flip side is that you're no longer saying, I'm in victim mode. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And to be candid, and when I think back at reform school and all those wheelbarrows of of boulders going uphill for two years and all the wood cutting and all of the dig, digging of ditches, <clears throat> my whole story was, this is, I'm here because I had a bad childhood and I, you know, my mom was not the mom I had hoped for. 
And that was my two-year story. Like, had I had a different mom, I wouldn't be here. And, you know, my life would be different. Now my story is, had I not had her as my mom, I would never be as successful. I would never be as thoughtful, strategic. I can read a room like she can, like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And exactly. what a gift. Yeah. Because it was tough. I learned how to show up and speak up for myself because I had a, a switch that I could flip that told me when I was in danger mode, I better stand up and and get right toe-to-toe with someone and not let them mow me down because I know what that feels like to be mowed down as a little kid. I, I'm now an adult and I'm going toe-to-toe. And so I can go in and say anything, but I can say it from compassion, from love, and be firm, and be feminine, and be matter-of-fact, and say, that's it. So... I love it. So good. So for people who are feeling really powerless right now and you know we've been we've all been there. Oh yeah. What would be the first thing that you would say to them? What's something actionable that they could do today? You know, um powerlessness there are two things happening. One is circumstances that are your material reality in this moment. And that might be an abusive spouse. That might be someone who's hitting you or hitting you with words. The, 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 the powerlessness comes from those external experiences, right? When those things happen, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, rocks your world. But what I would suggest to anyone who's listening and saying, yeah, I'm in that situation and I just feel so bad about myself. I don't see any way out. I would remind yourself every single day of at least two to three things that you did really well that day. It could have been you rocked making breakfast for the kids or it could have been that you got yourself out of the house and on that two-mile walk to get outside and get some fresh air or it could have been that you were able to pick your kids up on time and make it home for the dry cleaner and all of the other things. Like you've got to find two or three things that you can hang your hat on and go, I rocked this today and give yourself back the accolades of what it means to be in your in your power and remind yourself that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like when I was sitting in that Fashion Institute class and I was sitting in the front row thinking, man, these people are going to figure out they let me in and uh, they're going to push me out the door. And every time I'd raise my hand, I'd come home and I'd be like, I can't believe I asked another question and I, I got involved even though my heart was racing. I was so fearful that they would think I wasn't smart enough to be there. And so those baby confidences, those baby steps those accolades each day, I was like, I did it. I think is where you have to start. You have to start with little things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, I I think a, a gratitude and then acknowledging yourself are so important. Huge, huge. And it can just be like, I cool, I made some kick-ass 
lamb chops, man. My kids thought they were great. And I tried a new recipe and they were delicious. Like these little things, guys, this is what life's all about. These are, it's not the, it's not the big, the launching of the book and being on this and that. All these things are just these major points in time, but it's little daily things that add up to the joyful, delicious, ripe, you know, rewarding life that brings this texture and richness to each of us. It's like, and number two, I think the other thing that makes you powerful is realizing you got yourself in a situation one way or another, you're in it, accept responsibility and start to, to imagine and vision for the life you want next. Give yourself that hopeful, like I see myself living in the, at the beach in a cottage and I see myself painting and I have a different life and a different job and like start visioning who she is next. I think that's a, your imagination is your greatest secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Be it now. Be it now. Everything you sit on, touch, feel, ex- explore, everything, everything that you have in your life is as once was once a thought. Absolutely. So beautiful. And that's that's the quotable moment right there. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. It is sort of like if any of you out there have children, you understand that when they had, you know, when toddlers have a tantrum, what happens with toddlers is, you know, they feel like, okay, if I just need to scream louder, if I just need to kick more, if I just need to, you know, uh, do this a little bit more, mommy and daddy are just going to give me what I want. And that's exactly what's happening with narcissists. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to break free from hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. One thing that you should know is that rejection is the thing that narcissists fear the most. That's the one thing they do not want to happen to them. And so if you reject them, then that's like in some ways the worst thing that could possibly happen for them. And now we return to today's show. respond to narcissists when they disrespect you. They're constantly trying to bait you. They're constantly trying to get you emotionally 
riled up and they know exactly what to say. You know, a lot of times you've been in a romantic relationship with them. And so they know you, they know exactly what to say, and they constantly disrespect you. It's so, so hard when they're constantly disrespecting you and you're wondering how can you respond to them? And first of all, why do they constantly disrespect you? Well, they do it because they don't respect themselves. They hate themselves. Remember that people treat other people in a way that is a direct reflection of the way they feel about themselves. Think about that. So you can't take things personally. And I've often said that one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements, which is a super easy read, by the way. If you haven't ever read it, it's a very, you can read it in an afternoon. And it's four agreements that you keep with yourself. And one of the agreements is that you never take anything personally because the fact that people treat people the way they feel about themselves. You know, if people feel good about themselves, they treat people well. If people feel poorly about themselves, they treat people poorly. And so how they treat people poorly, they treat people, you know, like rap because when they do that, and they build themselves up. When they get that emotional reaction out of you, it gives them a high, it gives them a feeling of value. And so it gives them that supply, it gives them that hit. It's their drug, it's their food, it's their lifeblood, it's their oxygen, and they need an endless amount of it. It's really, really hard. I say when you're getting out of a relationship with a narcissist, you have to kind of start to pivot, you gotta turn, you gotta turn it all around, shift that dynamic that power switch, and it doesn't happen overnight. Because if you've been in a relationship with a narcissist long-term, then it's baby steps, they've been conditioning you. And so you can't just go, okay, I'm gonna switch it around. So I say step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. You're switching that dynamic. And then you can you know, apply my slay methodology if you're negotiating with them, strategy, leverage, anticipate, focus on you. But you can start by step one. Step one is don't run. You put boundaries into place. So what's the first step? You just put some boundaries into place. One thing that I, one of the first phrases I love to use when narcissists are disrespecting you or you're trying to just get them to be dispelled, to just kind of dissipate them a little bit, dissipate their anger. I love to use the phrase, I agree with you. You have to be careful because if they're saying things like you're a horrible mother or you're a terrible dad or you're a deadbeat or something, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to say something that's going to they're going to end up using it against you in court or something. You make sure that you use it in this way. I agree with you that that's what you think. You know, so they're disrespecting you. You need to get out of it. You just want to calm them down. You just want to get yourself out of there. So I use terms like I agree with you because they hear I agree and you're not agreeing to anything. The second one I like to use is I can see that you are upset. And I love phrases like this because you are actually now starting to remove yourself from the situation and starting to observe it as if you are a third party. That way you can start to see them 
for who they are. And that really starts to help your healing. It starts to get you on the path to becoming the more powerful version of yourself. You start to remember who you are. And number three is very similar, where you start to say things where you're just observing them, where you say, your approach is not working for me. Again, you're pushing it back on them. Your approach, it's not working for me. You're going to have to find a different one. You are the one who's upset. You are remaining calm. You are the steady one. It's making them appear to be the one who's the crazy one. You stay steady. Number four, again, is similar in a way. You just say, okay, and just look at them. You say nothing. You don't take their bait. You just observe. Or you could just look at them like this. Mm. Mm. It's sort of like an okay, but... Mm. Like that. Number five, you want to engage me in conversation? You will have to remain calm, factual, and non-emotional. You're looking at them and you're saying, hey there, buddy boy or young lady or whoever it is that you're talking to. You don't have to say it like that, but you're just basically, that's your attitude. You want to engage me in conversation? You will have to remain calm, factual, and non-emotional. You just sit down there. And you are the one who is calm, factual, and non-emotional. Number six, I know that you are hurt. You can say, I know that you're angry. I know that you're upset or whatever words you want to use, however it is that you want to describe them. But that is not a valid reason for being disrespectful. So you can look at them. You can observe whatever emotion it is that you're observing, right? So they're disrespecting you. So you can observe their emotion. Again, you observing, you remaining calm. You're looking at them like as if they're a a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. Number seven, if they're just completely and utterly disrespectful or say something that is completely and utterly like personal or just ridiculous, you can just say, I'm choosing not to respond to that. That's number seven. Number eight, I'm going to have to ask you to respect my boundaries, especially if you have set down boundaries. You've already said, I don't want you to email me at this address, or I don't want you to use this form of communication or whatever it is that is a boundary that they've decided to cross. And that's a disrespect to you. I'm going to have to ask you to respect my boundaries because they will totally disrespect your boundaries. The next one is, I hear you not saying anything. You're watching them. You're looking at them and letting them have their tantrum. Just like you're watching the toddler having the tantrum on the floor. You didn't say anything. A lot of times just by saying, I hear you, they got heard and that's what they wanted. The last one is if we are going to continue to communicate, I'm going to have to ask you to speak to me or write to me or communicate with me, whatever it is, however it is that you're communicating at that moment in a way that is respectful. You know, if you are talking, you obviously are saying, speak to me if you're having a text message or if you're having an email, whatever it is. But if we're going to continue to communicate, it's going to have to be respectful. And then if they don't continue to communicate in a way that is respectful, you have every right 
to not continue the communication at that time. You do not have to stand there and be disrespected. You don't. And, you know, I've been in situations with other lawyers. I've been in situations where I've had to take it. I mean, especially, you know, with other male lawyers or whatever. And I've been straight up said, I'm not standing here having this conversation with you. We can either wait until you're ready to have a conversation with me when you can be respectful or we can take it up with the judge or an ethics committee if we have to. Sometimes you have to stand in your power, even when you're a professional. I'm telling you that you don't have to do this regardless of who they are, even if it's a family member. And you have to find what's right for you. You have to find what's right for your own mental health and your own sake and your own sanity and your own soul. I know that it's hard, but you know, life is hard. These are the teaching times that we are in earth school as a soul. And, you know, I'm telling you that if you don't learn this lesson, the lesson will continue to present itself to you. I've learned the hard way, but you can do this. You can do this with help and you can do this with support, with the support of people around you. You can definitely do hard things. That's for sure. I have a private Facebook group, a support system, which you are absolutely welcome to join. It's Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. I also do have a sponsor on this channel. If you need access to therapy. I have an online sponsor, which is BetterHelp, which you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Rebecca Zung to access that. And we receive commissions on that. It doesn't cost you any extra. We just want you to have access to resources that we trust. And make sure that you have subscribed here and hit that notification bell as well. We want you to have access to as many free resources as you possibly can. The next video that I want you to watch is how to force a narcissist who's driving you crazy into panic mode. So if they're driving you crazy, you're ready to force them into panic mode. That's the next video I want you to watch. Honestly, and, and you know, that's something that I recently just talked about. The, the dopamine that goes back and forth, you know, between the love bombing and the, uh, and the devaluing. Mm-hmm. That's right. what actually causes that trauma bond too. Well, exactly, exactly, because we get we get addicted to the dopamine hit, exactly. and we're constantly seeking it, exactly. and like, and they're the supply. They are the supply of. They are the supply. They have absolute power absolute. over our, um, you know, uh, over our effects. Exactly, right. and so you're you become addicted to them. That's right. So between the dopamine and the cortisol, dopamine, cortisol, dopamine, cortisol, you are so destabilized. You're a, you are a hormonal mess. That's right. That's right. Because of them. Yes. Right. And it's so, listen, and it's so hard, but like if, you know, and this is why some of, you know, um, what I talk about a lot uh, and, and I and I talk about in the book a lot too is that I don't want to focus on them and what they're doing and right. you know is is he an, is he a narcissist is he just an asshole is is it abuse like how, I, I focus really how do you feel how do you feel in this relationship right do you feel destabilized do you feel like you're going crazy do you feel like you're always sick do you have brain fog right 
Like, let's take the focus off of them because, first of all, we can't control them and we can't necessarily, um, you know, take, we can't take enough of a magnifying glass to them for it to make sense to us because it doesn't make sense. But what we can do is turn that on ourselves and, and turn, you know, you know, put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror, as they say, and really look at like, how does, how do I feel in this relationship? And you know, often the narcissist or the abuser will say, you know, well, you know, you just feel that way because you're fucked up. Um, and I, you know, ask yourself, have you ever felt like this in any other relationship? Have you, right? And sometimes the answer is yes, because we tend to choose, right? Um, but I will say that the person I became in my marriage, I had never been that person. I'd never felt that way. I may have been in like, messed up relationships and other narcissists and addicts and all of the things, right? Because that was my history and that was my trauma. And I had never felt like this and I'd never felt like that since. So there's, there is some, there's information there, right? Um, you know, and I also look at the other people, you know, you, I ask my people to look at the other person, like, have all of their relationships been like this? Because usually the answer is yes. Like they have like a trail of destruction behind them. It's not you. Right, right. And so when you're asking yourself that and you think, okay, what's the first step? Mm-hmm. Right, okay. And now you think, oh, okay, I do probably have to get out of this thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it scares the crap out of me. Sure, it is. It's terrifying because they have they have made you believe that they are your air and water, and you know, um, you know, that in 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 overt or covert ways, usually more covert. Like you're kind of you don't have anything without them. Mm-hmm. They've taken away your sense of self and self esteem. So the first thing that needs to be done is that you've got to get into, you know, trauma therapy, whatever you do, whoever you work with, whether it's a coach, whether it's a therapist, it has to be with someone who understands narcissistic abuse. Totally. And is trained in it. Very rare. Very rare. Um, And so you really want to make sure that, you know, because, you know, this is what, you know, the sort of the legacy of couples therapy, right? Is that like, oh, we're going to take a neutral stance and it's both parties and blah, 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 blah. And abuse is not a relationship issue. It's not a communication problem. It's an abuser problem. Um, so you need to, to, and, and I, and I outline the work that I do with my clients in my book about really reconnecting with self because we have lost it. We have completely lost our capital S self. And so there are steps that you can take. There are exercises that you can do um, that will help you reconnect with your sense of self, your capital S self. That is your authentic self. That is the, that is who you are at your core. Um, And that's really important work. And I think that's the first step, really. Um, and sort of once you start to feel stronger, right, you also have to disconnect from this person as much as possible. Now, sometimes you, you're you doing, you know, sometimes you need to do that work in order to recognize that that 
you're in this toxic relationship, right? Because then it becomes a, wow, that doesn't fit, (laughs) you know? Um, And you start to see a little bit more clearly. Um, But, you know, with this, with this, like the trauma bond and the dopamine rush and all of the stuff, like you can't do the healing. You can't heal from the person who's uh, traumatizing you while you're still being traumatized by them. A hundred percent. But I, I, and I will say, don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad about yourself if you're still in the relationship and that's right. Um, and you feel like, okay, I, I, I can't get out of this. What do I do? I mean, the, uh-huh. what I say to people is, okay, the very first step is the very first boundary that you can create is, and if this is all you can do, this is a really good first step. And that is you can decide today that you can be spoken to with respect. And and that is a really good first step. Yeah. And you can't control whether they're going to speak to you with respect. No, right? but, you, but you can decide that you don't have to stay in the room. Not you can, you right. can, you can get up and say, you know, I, th- what I say is just start looking at them as if they're a third, like a, 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 t- a child having a tantrum on the floor. Mm-hmm. Start looking at them as if, you know, and start observing their behavior to them. I can see that you're upset. I can see that you're angry. Just start observing their behavior to them. Mm-hmm. Put an invisible shield down around yourself mm-hmm. and just like imagine that you have like Teflon on that and right. just, you know, we can continue this conversation when you have calmed down. Mm-hmm. And you you do not have to remain in a room when somebody is yelling at you, screaming at you, disrespecting you. You just don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I say disconnect from the person, you can disconnect from them while being in a relationship with them. Yeah. You can detach yourself and and it's a really hard thing to do. Um, this is about, uh, it's about radical acceptance. It's about really accepting who this person is and that it is who they are. It's not who you are. It's who they are and that they're not going to change. They're just not. And so if you, if you accept that and you like, you know, like you said, have an invisible shield, your Teflon, you, I think that there's, there's work, there's work to be done to get to that point, right? It's not, it's not all that easy to just be like, oh, um, I am, oh, now I'm going to disconnect from them, right? It's, it, there's, there's a shift that happens and it's a very specific shift to, from like trying to get them to change or trying to get yourself to change or trying to do something to fix it from that to, oh, right. This is not actually fixable. This is what it is. This is what it is to be in a relationship with this person. If I can't leave them, because of finances, whatever it is, right? You don't have to leave. Um, but if you have, so if you have to stay, the the protection, the wall, the boundary between like, oh, they're just doing what they're going to do and they're going to keep doing what they're going to do. And so I can't control that. The only thing I can control is myself, which is walking myself out of the room, which is 
taking up my hobbies and going out, you know, three nights a week, if, if that works, you know, with your, with childcare or whatever. Um, but, but having it moving to that place of accepting, oh, this actually isn't going to change. So now I'm not going to beat my head up against, against a brick wall, trying to get it to change. I don't need to do that anymore. So now I can just live my life. I can live it in the same house if it's safe for me to do so. Right. But there's there, but I think it starts with that acceptance of and really, really, really understanding that no, this isn't going to change. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the Arya Stark of like, not today, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'm not going to leave today, but, you know, not today. Or are you going to, be, you know, like this with me, you know, not today. Am I going to allow this? You mm-hmm. know, it's sort of like the baby steps of it. Just, just baby steps. Just right. Baby That's right. Steps. And, and, it be, I, and I feel like it's so much easier for, for, for people to just baby step it because it's like, oh my God, I can't leave and I can't move it, you know, and, and that way it's like, okay, but maybe someday you might. That's right. But, but but just for today, right? Small, small. That's right. You know, just start looking at them as if they're a toddler having a tantrum on the floor. You're going to start seeing them in a different light today. Mm-hmm. Just baby steps, baby steps. And 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 taking each of those baby steps like if you can't leave, it's okay, but you can you can take those baby steps so that you don't feel stuck or stagnant. Yeah. Right. You can do things like have a consultation with an attorney. What might things look like? You can start to reconnect with the friends and family that you may have been isolated from yeah. um, without, you know, fear of reprisal. Um, you yeah. can like there's just there's little baby steps that you can take that feel like you're getting your life back. So yeah. you don't feel stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you know what the difference is between that and, and the situation that you're in now is, is that you are making a choice. Because mm-hmm. at that point, you're saying, you know what? I'm choosing today instead of feeling completely stuck, mm-hmm. I'm right. choosing to stay today. Right. I'm, I'm here because I choose to. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's part of my strategy. My strategy. Not because I'm stuck, not because I'm manipulated, not because because I have chosen. Yes. Strategically that for today, I'm in this. Yes. And I'm going to use it to my advantage or, you know, or even not to your advantage, but at least not be like, you're not going to be destroyed for another day. Yes, I have a plan. I'm choosing right. sort of like I you get to take back your agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it just makes you feel better about it yes. for that day. That's right. That's right. And you know, look, th- there are some people for whom that this is not safe, right? Because as soon as you start to take back aspects of your own life, um, there will be punishment. There will, right? But if it is if it's the silent treatment or being, you know, uh, side-eyed or like if it's, if it's 
you know, uh, passive aggressive stuff. Like that's when you get to look at them and be like, you're, you're a toddler and, you know, have a nice tantrum. I'm going out. And there are people for whom that that is dangerous. And if that, if there's any danger, um, involved in this, I do not recommend it. And I think it's important to, to say that at that point, you need to seek the help of your local domestic violence, um, shelter. Um, I, I also like to, people think that a shelter means they have to run away and go and stay, you know, like in maid. Um, you don't. Domestic violence shelters are full of domestic violence advocates. They will help you. They have legal aid of, available. They have a, people who can advise you in your area. So that's not just for people who are trying to flee. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, there's a lot more that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important to, and, and, and it's important to know that they also don't just deal with physical violence, that's financial abuse, all of the, all the kinds of abuse that go along with this, they will, they can help with. Yes, for sure. And I'm glad you brought that up. Both, both the fact that, you know, to go get help if you need it and also mm-hmm. the types of help that are available for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is that narcissists are um, you know, there has been arrested development in the limbic system of their brain. And, and so, it, you know, it is a tra- narcissism is a result of trauma. That's right. And so you do have to understand that when there is a shift in the relationship, there is going to be a shift back. And you're, you know, they have conditioned you and you're basically going to be conditioning them back when you shift. And so it's, it is sort of like, if any of you out there have children, you understand that when they had, you know, when toddlers have a tantrum, what happens with toddlers is, you know, they feel like, okay, if I just need to scream louder, if I just need to kick more, if I just need to, you know, uh, do this a little bit more, mommy and daddy, you're just going to give me what I want. And that's exactly what's happening with narcissists. So, you know, they are the worst right before they're ready to give up. I mean, that, that is the truth. And, and so they will act a little bit worse and a little bit worse uh, when you start being different, when they start feeling a shift in the wind. That's right. that's, that's okay. That actually means that what you're doing is working. And 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 that's right. actually a good sign. Right. And like when the toddler screams and yells more and more and more is not the time that you give them the cookie. No. <laughs> Right. If they want the cookie and they're screaming and they're screaming and they're escalating and they're escalating and they're escalating, good parenting. And I listen, I, you know, we've all done it. Right. But good parenting dictates that that's not the time that you reward the behavior. And so when the similar thing with it, with a narcissist is that when they're screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming, that is not the time that we go, oh, okay, you're right. I'll stay. Um, you know, or I won't go out tonight or I, right. And, but again, you know, when they get, you know, they, they tend to abuse to the degree that they can, that they maintain power and control. And if they're losing power and control, that is when they escalate and that's when it can become more dangerous. So it's, you know, it's very tricky and we have to, we do have to be careful, but also if you know that this is not a, you know, you're not in physical danger, 
then yeah, like this is not the time. I talk about this all the time with people telling their spouse they want a divorce, right? I lay this out very clear, lay it out in the book. I have lots of um, information on this that, you know, this is, they're going to have a temper tantrum and it is just like a toddler where you say, I know exactly what you said. I know that this is hard for you. I understand that this is not what you want. Unfortunately, this is my final decision. Yes, and I'm glad that you brought that up too, because a lot of times the threats that they make during divorce are not... They're not based in reality. Any sort of reality. Any sort of reality. Right, this is why I tell women all the time and I talk about it in the book, like go and get yourself educated. Get yourself learn what the laws are in your state before you have this conversation. Because when they say, I'm going to take the kids, you're never going to see them again. You can go, "Um, okay, that's not how things work. But I understand you're upset because so many women that I talked to said, well, he said he's going to take the kids and I'm never going to get any money. And I have to say, honey, that's literally not how it works. It's literally not how it works. And you know, meanwhile, they've they've stayed for another five or 10 years because that's what he keeps saying. Well, that's his abuse tactic. He's abusing you into staying by lying to you. Your job now is to get informed. You need to get information, actual legal information. Educate yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I just had this conversation with somebody recently who was concerned about getting certified in my certification program because they were worried that this person, the other narcissist, was saying, oh, if you get certified, then I'm going to use that against you because you can, um, I'll use that as proof that you are using that as a, um, what did they say? It was uh, something with, um, you're using that to disparage me. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and 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 they w- they wanted to use that as proof of uh, I don't know some sort of tort or something, and I said you know they they actually ha- would have to prove actual damages, and you know I said you'd actually have to say something bad about her, and and which I don't think you're actually going to do, and and I said and it, and if you actually did, then truth would actually be a defense, and and I said, but you then she'd actually have to prove damages. And, and I think there's so many different right, layers of that, so many layers to and, it that and, like that. And, and I said when you actually break it down to what's so and what are the actual facts of of that, it's mm-hmm. it's all like they, but you know they prey upon fear. They prey upon fear. They do. They do. And they prey upon being the only one with information, you know, pretend information, right? They, they, they bank on us not actually knowing the truth and the facts. And so the, your best defense is to actually know all the facts and information. I hear this a lot, and I'm sure you do too, with people, um, who are scared to go to therapy or go on medication, Mm-mm. He says that if I go on medication, then I'm like, I'm scared to go on medication because then the, the court's going to think I'm crazy. And I'm like, oh. or you look like someone who is responsibly taking care of yourself. I was like, in today's day and age, like, you know, we're not, we're not really not 
going to court over someone getting on, you know, Zoloft or Lexapro know, or whatever. Lexapro, like whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we're not like that's not judges like literally do not care about that. In fact, it looks like you are, you know, but like I don't want to go to therapy because then I'm gonna look. No, go to therapy. You look good. Yeah. <laughs> go to therapy because you look like someone everybody's in therapy these days. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. And if you're not in therapy, frankly, I think that's that's a problem. You know? <laughs> yeah. So and also, you know, there's the like, yeah, I need to be on on medication because I have like a clinically, de- I'm clinically depressed from the relationship I'm in <laughs> and I'm trying to get out of it. You know, I mean, there's just so many things that, you know, and the, the you're not going to get any money and I'm going to take your kids are just huge. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm going to lose the house. Right. right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's so many things like that. You know, if I leave the house, then I'll lose my rights to the house. Right. I mean, I, you know, I won't have get any money from. I won't that. get any money. It's abandonment of property. That's not what that means, no. <laughs> right? Like, right. like, yeah. I mean, yeah. if your name is on the house, you still get your half it's of the house. Property. It's <laughs> marital property. Period. If it's marital property, it's marital property. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. So, I mean, there's so many things like that that they say and that they scare people to death. That's right. You know. So. You, you you have to just, I always say, focus on what's so, focus on the facts. Right. You know, don't, don't listen to what they're saying. They want to scare you. They want to scare you. Right. And, and so just don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. And let me tell you, it, it, this is a thing that I say all the time. They, you, you, you knew that they were a liar during the marriage. They're certainly not going to start telling you the truth during the divorce. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, come on. It's insanity. It's insanity to think that you're, the person you're divorcing who has been abusing you for years and lying to you for years is going to be giving you correct legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be to your benefit during the divorce. Right. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, they're not on your side now. They right. weren't on your side during the marriage. They're certainly not on your side during the divorce. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, but it's it's so hard because of the gaslighting to separate, you know, because their, quote, their truth has been the truth for all these years it's hard to to sort of put that boundary in place in your mind to understand that like oh no what they're they're not they have not they have not been telling me the truth they will not tell me the truth um you know their truth is not truth uh and so in it and it does it feels subversive and it feels scary to like go and like have a consultation with an attorney behind their back. Like, yeah, yeah, it is subversive and scary. And it's also necessary. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. 
And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence, hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary Vee, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leapfrog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring, and each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.